Podboys Productions. Welcome back to Movies Are Relevant Podcast on Brooklyn Rebound Network. It's your boy, Pod Drew, over here. And uh, listen, I I gotta ask my uh, my man, Ida Eshnam, about this. Eric, co-host on Movies Are Relevant. Uh, I'm seeing some weird signs over here. I haven't noticed them before. I, I got some new sunglasses, you know, uh, mm-hmm. on my travels recently, Eric. And... Uh, I know you have some. I think you got some new ones too. Are are you seeing these signs that say in black and white that say podcast? Like, I see some that say obey and then and also podcast. Record. Don't forget you're here forever. Yeah, I've been seeing them too. That's just normal stuff. That's just you know that happens to everybody. Uh, don't think about it. Um, okay. We'll you know just just keep doing what you're doing, and we'll all get through this together possibly with shotguns all right i guess that's fair i mean i don't always you know follow every sign i see but i really want to follow this one for some oh i really do if something I says right turn only i assume that means i can only turn right that's right and i'm not saying nope to that direction you know what i'm saying but you are turning into a giant kite monster yes mm. well i hope not but we'll see how this progresses yeah let's let's talk about it though i mean Jordan Peele's new film, Nope, is uh, what his third feature, right? Uh, after yeah. the first two uh, horror uh, films he released, Get Out and Us, were uh, highly lauded. This thing came out about a month ago. You know, I saw it a month ago as well. I was there on opening weekend. I was finally ready, which is kind of rare. I don't haven't typically been uh, too often in the past few years. Well, there was a year where you couldn't go to the movies anyway, but. You know, haven't been right in line opening weekend, typically. This time I was ready to talk about it, and then things got in the way, and uh, we <laughs> it's a month later, but we're still going to get into it now, uh, break it down, and uh, we're going to pair it with John Carpenter's classic from 1989, They Live. I thought because about, you know... would have been too on the nose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, we haven't done a... Uh, since we started pairing classics with the new films we talk about here... I don't believe we've done a John Carpenter, right? As of yet. Uh, no, no, I'd remember if we did. Yeah, and uh, and actually I want to pull this up. I should have had it up already, but I thought about it as well because there was kind of something where someone was saying, uh, someone like tweeted at Jordan Peele like when the, when uh, Nope was coming out, or I guess it just come out, and uh, said, or uh, I don't know if he tweeted at him directly, but he saw it. Peel obviously saw the tweet that was saying something like, "He's the best uh, horror director of all time. No one else has had like three uh, hits in a row, that, or three great horror films in a row." I believe it was something like that. But anyway, Jordan Peel said, "Sorry, I love your enthusiasm, but I will just mm-hmm. not tolerate any John Carpenter's." Yeah, 
you you can't <laughs> you can't say things like that. Yeah, and I would also assume that Carverno isn't even the only one to have three horror classics in a row. Maybe, but um, you know, there's uh, there's what there's the other guy that is referenced in They Live. Also, he Carpenter references himself at the end of the film and also mentions um, uh, what's George Romero, mm-hmm. who I think some would say had three uh, horror classics in a row, things like that. But anyway, also Peel on this tweet had his, he had that nodding. It's actually, it's a uh, mountain man, Rod, Robert Redford nodding, the one that looks like uh, people, I Zach thought it was the first time I saw it. Yeah, it looks like Zach Galvanakis, but it's Redford. But it has Peel's face on there, and it looks very strange. Anyway, um, yeah, so that made me think of this, too. Although I think They Live came, it wasn't right in Carpenter's run of classic. Like you just mentioned The Thing. He had Halloween, The Thing, um, Escape from New York, which is not really horror, I guess. Uh, the Fog, a bunch of these films. But uh, that was like early, late 70s, early 80s. And then I think he had a couple of... He does Big uh, Trouble in Little China, Prince of Darkness, mm-hmm. They Live, uh, yeah. and right there back to back and then takes a break uh before okay. memoirs of an invisible man which i've not seen in 1992 i haven't it's seen not, that either. It, it's an unimpeachable run yeah that's a pretty good run i was about, i was trying to say was it not all a straight run there but i guess it was and actually i have not seen prince of darkness as of yet myself so i need to watch that one uh um, prince of darkness is great yeah. <laughs> not what we're talking about today but it is great uh that no we gotta we're talking they live also because uh you know, the other tie-in is, like, the thing, I guess, is an alien, maybe. It's not 100% clear, but probably is. Um, but in terms of they live, it's definitely aliens. Confirmed. As with Nope. Uh, and going into Nope, did, so I had, I guess I saw the Super Bowl commercial for this, which didn't really mm-hmm. give much away, and that's about all I saw or knew about this. I did not actually even know this was a... Alien film going in to watch it. Did you know that or? Uh... I did based on that one Super Bowl trailer because you've got like right at the very end you've got the Kiki Palmer like oh hell no and like turning to run away scene mm-hmm. and then there are some just like quick cuts of like the really like action heavy like mm-hmm. shits going down portions of it and then Kiki Palmer starting to get sucked up into the air by the alien. Um, so yeah, I figured okay. that was an, that was a definitely an alien abduction thing but uh, i mean it was a guess right at that point uh, yeah i guess i might possibly was not i was barely even paying attention to the the preview when i saw just to make excuses for myself why i didn't figure it out but uh like i was probably dipping some nachos at the time uh, anyway well your beloved los angeles rams that you've been a fan of your entire life were in the super bowl so <laughs> that's right hey i was rooting for them because you know they're playing the old Cincinnati Bungles there, who, you know, a, a, I won't even say a hated rival because they're not, it's not like the Ravens or Steelers for me, but that's hated rivals. They have been, you know, not hate-worthy status, but I was uh, bitter because they, uh, you know, this isn't Mr. Israel and this is movies are out and we're not talking football here. Even though the season does start uh, this week as we record this, this Thursday, with those Rams uh, playing the Bills. And, you know, you can use code BKRB over at DraftKings if you're in one of those states where that's eligible. So I would suggest doing that. 
But regardless, uh, you know, this we're talking uh, not the Super Bowl, but the commercial, or more specifically, the film. The but yes, I'm jealous of the Bengals and Joe Burrow, and and I wasn't paying attention. You know, my jealousy got in the way. I wasn't paying attention that it was aliens, and whatever. I'm in the theater a month ago watching this, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's what's going on here. So you uh, had, had an idea. Did this film unfold similar to what you thought might have, or, or were you surprised by a lot of the uh, events of the film? Let me ask that. I mean, I, I, was, I was prepped to expect aliens, right? And we, boy, did we get aliens. Otherwise, I, I mean, I expected horses because we saw it in the trailer. Otherwise, you know, they, they did a really good job of, like, creating an air of mystery around it. Yeah. And it's kind of like, I mean, all his Peel's films are, they're horror, but also, and this is maybe the least straight horror, I guess, of the three, and um, more, but suspense and everything like that, maybe mm-hmm. a little more so even. Also, they all, he has three films now that have four words combined. That's uh <laughs> I don't know what yeah. that is, but it's an interesting tidbit to me. The uh, the classic tweet, uh, eventually these words are going to make a sentence and you you guys are all going to lose your mind. <laughs> yeah. Is that something he tweeted too? Okay, I might have. I was... uh, not him. Uh, just, just just some person that I can't uh, credit because I don't okay. feel like looking it up. Yeah, that, wait. Get out us. No. Get out us? No. They're not getting out. I don't know. Anyway, I would say exactly I, I, behind the door. Yeah, no, he should have like a re- a really long uh, title out of nowhere, like the uh, what? Now I'm blanking on what a long title would be, but <laughs> I want to see a colon in the film's title. Yeah, exactly. Uh, how am I at least something? The the good, the bad, the the get out. I liked his first two films. I liked all three of these, I'll say, but the, and Get Out was more revolutionary and stuff. It was more novel, but maybe Nope was more like one of the more most entertaining overall, I would say. But it's also might just be I like the vibe a little more of this sort of thing. Than... Get Out was such a phenomenon, and it kind of created an expectation that like he can't fulfill, which I may talk about a bit later as we like really really review the movie. Um, I will say too, I am a fan of Jordan Peele. Um, I, I'm in on the whole project. I bought the stock. I'm watching it closely. You know, this is probably my favorite of the three. Okay. Which is based on my like limited research uh, from like other people's reviews and much more serious critics than, than than me. Kind of a hot take, but I yeah. I don't know what you want me to do. It's it's, it's well, I think it's great. I guess there is, and so I saw it a month ago. I would say it's been or five weeks, even maybe. And how? And it's been a few weeks at least for you too, right? Just to mm-hmm. determine our freshness level here. But um, it, I would say, it dealt less with uh, his other two films have a lot, like Get Out's a lot about race, and Us is about that too, and like class and other those type of uh, social issues, deeper social issues. Which Nope had a, a touches of, but not, I would say, didn't 
uh, delve nearly as much into those sort of things, right? Well, I would argue that it's using, and, and now I am now I am going to make that soapbox uh, rant that I uh, threatened to a second ago pretty oh. quickly. Um, I, uh, I would say that it, it, it does have quite a bit of that, and it's using a chisel okay. instead of a hammer. Um, and I, you know, that, that's good filmmaking. That's awesome. Um, I, I mean, it's cool to work in metaphor. That's what that's what film is. That's what the arts are, right? I think okay. Get Out was such a was such an obvious and 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 like striking, very on the front door, on the movie poster metaphor for race in America in 2016 or 2017, um, and it created this expectation that people have that we've decided for him, right? That he's James Baldwin of the 2020s. Um, that 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 everything he does has to be specifically and expressly has to attempt to solve the race politics of America in that year. As he as he progresses as, a, as an as an artist and like he's doing shit like he's 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 quoting Spielberg, he's setting an intention there, you know, quoting Spielberg in these movies, quoting Kubrick in these movies uh, with his visual style. Like he's setting an intention that like I intend to be one of the great American filmmakers. This is. This is what I want. This is what I'm about, really. And none of that's to say that there's no like metaphor for race in America or race in the arts in these movies. They're absolutely there. And in fact, if you, the American like film goer, want to sit down and watch a movie, you can find metaphors in it. And sometimes it'll be, you know, fun to pick out themes. I don't I don't know what to say to people anymore. And I won't do the whole thing again about media literacy, but I mean there, there's definitely a racial element in there. Go, going back to quoting, citing the the very first image, moving yeah, the horse image, uh, being a jockey riding a horse. That that man is a black man, and we don't know his name. It's lost to history, right? The whole thing about like uh, who gets the credit for capturing the images that move us, the 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 lost work of black artists and artisans, you know, across history. Uh, it's not like they haven't been there, you know, uh, and that's all in the movie. Uh, as well as some other like metaphors with the I, I saw another critic and I, I, I it's been a month so I can't quote them I I don't know who exactly it is about how you're still he listening will... to other podcasts. Well, it's been a month, dude. Other podcast. <laughs> yeah, my favorite podcast, other podcast, the one podcast I listen to. Getting. I, I I heard on another podcast uh, this uh, which I, I I felt might be true might be like a a, a nice bit of criticism film criticism, not criticism of the movie, obviously. Like, how does Daniel Kaluuya's character know immediately, oh, if I don't look this thing in the eye, maybe there won't be trouble. You know, you you, you learn that by growing up in a, in, in a society that, you know, wants there to be trouble with you, right? That's interesting. Um, stuff like that. And then you have shit like, you have shit where, where people go to the, the very obvious thing, like that guy on Twitter who, like, stepped in uh, a hornet's nest when he, he did the poorly thought out tweet about how they put Daniel Kaluuya's character in an orange sweatshirt because they wanted you to think about black men's relationship to the carceral system. Um, and, and not, you know, maybe because, you know, the costume people know that he looks really good in that color. That one's lost to the month on me. I don't remember the orange uh, sweater. Oh, it was a, it was a big day on Twitter, uh, which I need to get off of Twitter, but, um, yeah, you had that that guy looking for a specific and and, and very like obvious yeah. and facile so, race metaphor and stepping in shit because you know this movie is this movie is giving you six or seven things and and and, and race in America and race in the arts are definitely one of them but you can't expect you can't demand that it that it take a sword and behead racism in America like that you know uh, and yeah, that's not Jordan well, Peele's 
flawed. I mean, they, these are they, this is a great fucking movie if you would watch it. Yeah, the, this yeah. might be the biggest soapbox rant you've ever done on the podcast, to be honest. <laughs> it went yeah, on a little long there, I apologize. Uh, no, it's okay, but, like, I'm not saying personally, like, it sh- he should be doing this, but, I, and, like, yeah, with the the first image, obviously that stuff's all threaded in there, and, like, in the in the plot of the film, they're saying, like, that's their, like, great-great-great-grandfather or something. It's clearly his great-great-great-grandfather or something like that. But in terms, and, you know, they're doing, even with that whole opening part, the Hollywood thing, like, they're... He's also getting it. He's getting in his Hollywood bag a little bit too, you know, um, mm-hmm. with those references of like how movies are made, and you know, that that's a little tried, well tried territory, you know, about how uh, difficult it is on set with these various people. But in terms of the overall threat, which is the alien, the overall, I didn't see any any direct or overarching kind of kind of symbolism of anything about uh, race class all these things with unlike in the, his other two films with the main actual the the big bad whatever you know in this mm-hmm. one i don't think it was that to me it didn't seem that tied in altogether. like we were saying i think this is probably his most entertaining film i agree but um there, it seemed like a little more disparate threads on some of these things with Nope than one other well, two films. Well, certainly more subtle, right? Not even just with the, the themes, but just the plot in general, I guess. I guess. There's a whole... I mean, there's this whole... I mean, maybe you heard this on other podcasts, but I'm interested in what your take is or if you heard something interesting, which I, I haven't. But... There's this whole, the whole Steve Yun character, um, mm-hmm. this is child actor who was like part of this monkey tragedy or or chimp tragedy on the show I worked on. This is like a very prominent part of the film, which was not, didn't seem to directly tie into the main story or anything. What What is your thought about that whole element? Uh, I mean, yeah, I've seen people go so far as to say that like, you you could have cut 20 minutes out of this movie and this is the 20 minutes that you could cut out. I disagree. Uh, and, and, and you know, I'm kind of in the tank to let the people who make movies make their movies, you know, it's, it's such a common thing to say like, Oh, this movie could have used an editor um, to the point where it no longer really means anything when most people say it, uh, in my opinion, as far as the, the, the crazy monkey and the Steven Yun character, um, I did like I was fine with it being there. I did get what was happening. You know, you've got the you've got this other layer of metaphor on top of everything else that he's doing where it's it's like our voraciousness to like conquer nature, to be the one who wrangles the animals, right? Uh, to be the one who gets the image of the cat or the snake eating the cat or whatever. I sort of read that as a metaphor for like, I mean, influencer culture, you know? It's just how, like, we have to capture absolutely everything. Like, the guy who took a, a cell phone camera into the actual suicide forest in, uh, at the foot of mm-hmm. Mount Fuji and shot a dead body, which is super fucking disrespectful, obviously. Logan Paul tweeted, or someone like that. Yeah, tweeted the uh, week that the movie came out. She's like, I don't get it. This doesn't make any sense. I think this is terrible. And she's like, no, dude, part of it is <laughs> everyone dunked on, on that tweet that day, obviously. This is like... The part of the point was you are the devil. 
I, but, I think so, that, that metaphor worked well enough to stay in the movie. I think the the creating that desperation, the creating that that fame monster inside the Stephen Yun character. I mean, he's 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 desperate to get back uh, his relevance, right? And he the the, yeah. the monk people who gave and took away that relevance. And he's he's only got this conception of himself as relevant through his mastery of the natural of natural phenomena, like horses and and then feeding horses to the alien when 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 that bit gets old right yeah i i I thought that that worked perfectly okay see i think it it fits with the theme of like the whole hollywood thing i kind of mentioned earlier and like with his character absolutely but i don't see the strong tie to the part of trying to capture everything on film like there's a tmz guy that comes in at the end and like that that's all clear with the alien part Mm -hmm. The, the kind of sitcom with an animal, it just didn't track completely for me. It's like, it, it still seems a little desperate. Not Oh, like, yeah, I would argue that, it, that it's kind of of a piece, right? I mean, it's it's there to tie the thing with Jean Jacket into the idea about the TMZ and the, 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 the needing to get the shot, you know? Yeah. And there's the whole, this is like a little beside the point, but it, it did... I I always like as like a comedy kind of bit or like or showing how how this the young character is like fooling himself and everything and is like a alternate view of, like memory and all that stuff. But like when he's talking about like they did it on SNL with like Chris Kattan, it was so hilarious or whatever. That like took me out just a minute because I was like that's like like it's funny bringing up Chris Kattan and all this stuff as like a monkey on SNL, but. If if this like when we saw what really happened, like that was like a super tragedy. Like I don't think SNL was was doing a sketch about that like the next week or something. That would be pretty. That that would be pretty uh bad taste. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, anyway. I definitely hear what you're saying with that. Um, I don't know. I thought it was like yeah, that guy's like lying to himself because yeah, like, that was like uh, shout out to Joan Didion. We tell each stories to live and. The story that he tells is uh, that that wasn't so fucking bad. What happened to me when the monkey almost killed me? Yeah, and then and then it's like they so we find out the um, this co-star ape. Excuse wait, me, a chimpanzee is an ape. Yeah, yeah, the ape. Well, it seemed like the ape killed his co-star, like his sister or whatever, on the show. But then we find out she didn't die and she's mm-hmm. disfigured, or whatever. Then she comes to his alien show, and that's when they all get killed. Like the whole this whole family, everyone pretty dark yeah. like he has a family with kids and they all and him and them and the audience and everyone gets eaten by the alien um i guess i didn't <laughs> usually say we're gonna get into spoilers but in this case whatever it's been a month you know we're full spoilers here but i'll say after the fact but were they what was that like supposed to have some relevance you think of like she's back and now something crazy was happening again with nature or whatever well, yeah. I mean, if you want to go like English essay style through all of the all of the possible themes, like yeah, it, I mean, I think it is important to the text that she's there when the alien has finally had enough of Stephen Yun um, and everybody trying to look at it and uh, eats them all and then vomits them up uh, <laughs> over um, over the house. Yeah, Daniel Kaluuya and Kiki Palmer's house. Uh, and now also, you had mentioned, I guess it takes someone had that. The Kaluuya character. Now, do you recall his name? I know the sister's name is M. I, I remember that. I'm blanking um, on I it. I can find it real quick. It's it's OJ. It's OJ. Of course it is. OJ. Right. Okay. So OJ, 
I guess that that was something a reference to police or something about like not looking in the eye or like keeping your head down, right? Right. And making right. Uh, that is a take that I heard. Now, which is interesting. I didn't think of that, but also watching the film, I thought it was more about his character, particularly um, not to do with the race necessarily, but uh, or a general societal thing. But like with him specifically, he's very like reserved. He doesn't like being in the spotlight at all. That kind of, and it's contrasted with M, his sister, like when they have the thing at the beginning, when they're supposed to present the horse at this, at the, uh, uh, well, exactly, like that, yeah. But even, even overall, most of the scenes he's in, like he's not, that just seems to be his kind of character, that he's not, he wants to keep to himself and not get involved with these things. Um, Well, and that's why I think that this is the best Jordan Peele movie. Um, as far as, you know, technically, right? Because the, I mean, the layering of these themes that, that I'm reading in, into this movie, and I'm not like, I mean, I, I suppose I've said I'm in the tank for this movie and I'm in the tank for Jordan Peele, but I'm not like some genius film critic, right? I, I, I saw it because it's there. Um, but the layering and the, the, the interweaving of these different, like, aspects of the theme or, or themes of this movie yeah. i think it's just a really deft exercise in uh screenwriting and i like i man is he fucking good yeah performances are great i mean obviously clearly it was this big his big um muse with get out so that he's the the jordan peele player great job uh but kiki palmer i didn't really i heard the name before I don't think I'd seen her in anything else, but she she kind of stole the movie for me. I uh, think that she was amazing in this, uh, and I've never seen her in anything before. Yeah. Um, well, that's I not true. I've seen Hustlers. She's in Hustlers. Okay, I don't, I don't, is that a J-Lo movie? Oh, uh, yeah. No, it's pretty good. Uh, don't try to watch it with your mom over Christmas break, but it's pretty good. Oh, you mentioned this before. Now that sounds familiar. Right. It's just a full-on stripper movie. It was not a comfortable moment, uh, but but it's a really good movie. That was another one since we've been talking about Twitter so much this episode. I couldn't remember. I, now that you bring it up, I remember you saying that anecdote, but I would have been like, oh, is that just a funny tweet that I saw someone write? Or no, it's someone I know told me that. No, I did <laughs> so I mixed up all the shit. Um, but yeah, she was very funny, Kiki Palmer. Um, oh, she's a musician. And uh, oh, was she like a Disney kind of actor or something? Maybe? I think so. Okay, that makes sense. I especially liked the part where... So before the the whole tragic event we just mentioned, with the Steven Yen's Jupe is his name, I remember that. His his kids come and prank... Uh, well, so she steals one of their uh, waving... Is it the waving arm uh, thing? The, what, is, what is the family guy joke? The wacky, wailing, waving, yeah. inflatable, flailing arm Which, guy? By the way, the, at the end of the film, when they set those all up, that was a great kind of... Uh, that fucking ruled. What a uh, fucking arms. visual, like, fucking feast, yeah. man. Oh, you know what? It wasn't, though. It wasn't that, but it was... He, she stole their, like, fake... Their horse. Um, fake horse, yeah. Fake horse, which the alien did not like later. We realized he tried to eat it, and it didn't go well for him. But, yeah, the fake horse, she stole. And then the kids come and prank oj um that's when he says the titular nope for the first time if i recall correctly punches the kid alien yeah and then there's and then like uh m comes out and she's supposed to be high or something she's like a little out of it and she's like she's like getting ready to like go get revenge on them 
And he's like, you, you're the one who started it in the first place. She's like, oh, yeah. And like something like that. Whatever the line reading on that, I didn't do it justice there. But it was, I remember that standing out is really fun. Uh, I laughed hard at that. Um, she is phenomenal in this. Like every single line reading. Like the, didn't I tell you this motherfucker would come up here with a non-electric camera? And, uh, oh, yeah, that, that guy, I feel like I must have seen him in some movies before. He, he just says like a very... His face and voice are very, like, distinctive. Um, uh, his name's Michael Wincott. Uh, I'm not seeing anything that I would have seen him in, honestly. Maybe it's just that voice, I think. I, was like, I, was like, I feel like I've heard of him. Yeah, that. yeah. That's why he cast a guy like that. For Yeah, just for the voice alone is great. But, and speaking of, you know, we gotta, we'll talk, get into They Live soon enough. But another thread connecting the two here is... My main man, Keith David, one of my favorite actors, period. And uh, doesn't have a lot to do in, in Nope. He dies very early on as their father. But uh, the, his voice is just abs- my absolute favorite, probably. Um, and, and you hear a lot more of it in They Live, of course. Yeah, I was, was going to say, uh, uh, the, that's the connection, if you if you want a connection. <laughs> yeah. I wanted more of him. Um than than we got obviously uh, I, I I'm, I'm very fond of that actor but yeah what a scene what a fucking scene I hope uh, maybe whatever uh, Peel's next film is his next one or two word film there'll be a bigger role for uh, Keith David maybe it's some maybe it's something featuring uh, Peel's got to write something featuring older an older actor you know an older character something in a nursing home or something I don't know. I mean, he might not be that old yet, but he's he's got to be getting up there. Oh my God! I'm not sure how old they live. Was 1989? I mean, he looks like it. He's got to be. A, Keith David born in 1956. Okay. Yeah, so he's 33, and they live. He's uh, and hey, he looks good on that. He's uh, he's pretty jacked, as well. And he does the uh, he does the. Uh, the wrestling moves with that Rowdy Roddy Piper there <laughs> and their fight and everything like that. So. Great fucking Very scene. talented. Uh, I liked Nope a lot. It did not have a scene in it. You know, we, the waving arms were great. A lot of the alien scenes were great. You know, the whole thing with Jupe, even the flashback with uh, the ape going crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nothing for me could top the the. Piper versus David. Uh, I think like seven minute long fight sequence. It's so long. It be. doesn't need to be that long. <laughs> but it does. And it get, I'm glad the editors didn't get out for that one either. Because that's what makes it so incredible. Because it is so ridiculously long. It just that it's like, uh, it, it's like, I mean, I, I mentioned it. They're doing, I think because Piper is, you know, a wrestling star. They're obvi- and more so than an actor. Uh, which is pretty clear. But uh, they are, even though, you know, he, he does a fine enough performance, I think, for that type of movie, but, and what the character is kind of supposed to be simple-minded anyway, but they do some of the, like, clear, like, wrestling moves and the fight. But overall, yeah. other than maybe that, I think it is kind of realistic. Like, if you think about what a real fight in an alleyway would be with two big guys, they're Down not going to give up easily. motherfuckers get clearly so tired. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's part where David's like, he's just like, 
he thinks he finally got Piper down. He's on the ground and he's like leaning against like a thing on the wall. Like mm-hmm. it's just, uh, it's great. You know, he has to put those sunglasses on. So sometimes you got to fight your friend for ten minutes brutally to get him to wear those sunglasses. I didn't have to do that to you, luckily, because you're already wearing them and you're, you know. But. Oh, you know, you know, I just thought I fucking love sunglasses. You handed me a pair of sunglasses. Just, Thanks, buddy. Let's go to the beach, beach. Oh, wait, the sign now I'm seeing says back to get back to the topic. Okay. The wait is almost over. A new football season is about to begin. Get ready for the NFL Week 1 action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving new customers a can-miss offer Bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Want more action for opening night? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings early win promotion. Get up seven, you win. Bet on any NFL team of your choice, and if your team leads by seven points at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code BKRB to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code BKRB only at DraftKings Sportsbook, unofficial sports betting partner of the NFL. Nope. Uh, Yeah, the acting's, we're kind of talking about that. It's all very good. Also, the... Character we didn't really mention yet, the uh, the Fry's electronics guy who intertwines himself with the family and the, the alien uh, hunt there. He's he's pretty funny too. Um, he's really funny. He's 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 really like important to have for some reason yeah. because I, I think Daniel Kaluuya in in his taciturn way is playing OJ at kind of an eight. And Kiki Palmer is definitely playing Emerald Haywood at kind of a 12 out of 10. Uh, it's really important to have him be there with the low energy, just like, whoa, 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 are we really doing this guy? Yeah. Uh, yeah it's, it's, it was a great addition. The scene where they're eating after, at the, they go back to LA or whatever, and they're like, he's like, Kalia starts talking about all this stuff again. He's like, oh man, read the room. Like, no one wants to talk about this right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but. He yeah, like you mentioned Spielberg and stuff, and there's a lot of nuts to that. But even hit, hit, that character's a little Spielbergian too. I felt. Uh huh. Yeah, the the fries electronics. By the way, do you know what that is? No. Uh, is that your your favorite place right next to the Galleria? Um, no. Well, so I haven't been to any. I guess I learned about it from not other podcast. You know, I'm not paying for the other podcast Patreon like you, but um, right. There is a podcast about. Uh, theme parks I listen to, and one of the hosts is from SoCal, and they they're like really into this fries electronics because I guess they had all these, they had like a bunch of locations, and they all have a different theme. So I'm trying to remember what the one in this. We is saw. it like LA's Nobody Beats the Wiz? Is it kind of like a local, a bit of local lore? I mean, everything. Kind of, but it, but it's bigger guess. than that. Well, well, the the point being, it closed. I haven't got to any go to any. I think about a year, two years ago it closed permanently and i guess it was already doing pretty poorly before covid and then just closed during it so there's no more locations i'm presuming that pio was able to get that 
and work it into the plot because they were closing at the time or had just closed and you just got to shoot at one of the locations before it was either demolished or whatever they do with it. So I'm assuming that's why that's an element in there. But that's um, yeah, I'd heard about it a little bit because of this other, the podcast I was listening to where the host was really into these because they were all themed. It must have been an alien themed one that they were in, right? That would make sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, Prize Electronics, yeah, it's a piece of Southern California history now, I guess. Um, R.I.P. Rip, rip. But, yeah, let's talk about the alien itself here. And um, I have the Wikipedia. Uh, Drew, it has a name. What's the name? Uh, Jean Jacket. All right, Jean Jacket. Let's talk about Jean Jacket. Now, something, maybe you're you're also in the bag for this film, because I have the Wikipedia pulled up. I'm at a section called... uh, I have a feeling I know what you're about to say. Yeah. Feature design, okay? Uh, I'm going to read this sentence. Oh, it's the longest sentence I've ever seen, so I'm not going to read the whole thing. It truly is the, the biggest, longest run-on sentence ever, going like six lines. Peel and his team on the design of jean jacket creature UFO form, blah, 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 yada, yada. Its final true biblical angel form, which was inspired by those of Neon Genesis Evangelion. And that was obvious to me, yes. Uh, so I had an amazing time with the end of this movie because obviously that was a Neva reference and you didn't have to tell me that Jordan Peele has seen Neon Genesis Evangelion, the anime that changed my life. Check out YouTube Drew's views now. I watched the whole thing. And Erica he did. Is he on talked about it at the end. Erica is on a podcast about it. On Drew's views. Anyway, continue. That's Drew's views with a Z? Two Zs, really. Drew's Not Z. only... Was that very obviously based on the angels from Neon Genesis Evangelion? But Kiki Palmer gets to do the Akira slide at the very end. Um, I saw a oh, little yes, video of a journalist right. calling calling him out, and it has it like it, it has it split screen with the Akira the the slide from Akira the the 1978 film or whatever, and and Kiki yeah, Palmer yeah. doing the exact same thing at the very end when she's trying to get the shot from the well. Um, and just like Jordan uh, Jordan Peele starts cracking up, he was like, "Yeah, I I had to do it. I had to do it." Uh, it was it, it's wonderful. Yeah, holy shit, I love Jean Jacket though. Yeah, that's not mentioned on here that the uh, Akira part that I see, but on the costume section now I remember. So the orange hoodie is the Scorpion King crew hoodie, which is another funny reference. Uh-huh. But with the design, this is part I felt could be polarizing, and I'm I'm still not even sure where I come down on it yet. I like the practical kind of effect, but it was definitely a strong choice to make it really look how it looked when it was all unfurled. And I will anecdotally say, I I saw this film with my girlfriend. She enjoyed it as well, but she did say afterwards that uh, when when you saw the alien in its full form, I think she was like that she didn't care for it, or she said something. Now I'm trying to remember, it was a month ago, but... I, I think she thought it looked like it's because it clearly is just like cloth. Like it's pretty obvious that it's not. Yeah. It's made out of cloth or whatever. I think she, her take was that it was uh, maybe that wasn't the best decision in her opinion. And like I said, I'm not quite sure I come down on it yet. But it sounds like you liked that decision. 
Um, I did. I thought it looked really cool when it transformed. I thought it was a really good idea to have the alien spacecraft that we're looking for, which, by the way, just insane camera work to that that playful little thing it does where um, I believe the DP is uh, Dutch legend Hoyte von Hoytema, where the camera is doing this this playful little thing where it's like looking at the spot where it thinks jean jacket should be, but it's not there. Uh, and so the camera kind of shakes and bobs and weaves and is checking other clouds out. I thought that was so smart, so cool. Uh, I've never seen that before. But yeah, uh, I think the the moment where we realize that it is not an alien spacecraft, it is in fact one. Well, that's one cool. entity. It's an alien itself, yeah. Uh, I think I that's really think cool. It, and then the transformation scene like blew my fucking mind, man. Yeah, I was trying to think if I've seen another film like that where it's the alien is just up there instead of the UFO or whatever. Like, that is like, that's the alien like that. I couldn't think of one. I'm, I'm sure it's not completely original with how many alien films there have been, but it was pretty novel to me. But that's, to me, a different point than the actual design of it itself, which I was more referencing. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 for sure. I will say... The one maybe criticism of this movie uh, that 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 I will give any time to that 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 I'll hear from anyone, the first fifty minutes of this movie, before we see Jean Jacket, basically before we see Jean Jacket kind of strafe uh, Daniel Kaluuya after it's eaten the uh, the people, um, and 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 before it it vomits them. Uh, and the the walls run red with blood, like uh, in fucking what is that Lost Boys? Is that Poltergeist? Anyway, oh. up until kind of that sequence, uh, I think the first act could be read as a little slow. Um, yeah, but I was fine with it. And then from there on, it's just like it doesn't stop punching, man. It's so cool. It flows pretty well after that. I agree. Now, if we get back to They Live, I mean, the whole that's a pretty short film. They get, you could practically fit the whole thing in 15 mm-hmm. minutes. It was a little bit longer than that, but the criticism with They Live, I think, is that the ending is much too abrupt. But I believe they kind of ran out of money, was the issue. Carpenter ran out of money, so right. pretty truncated. Yeah, movie. I don't mind the like truncated nature, the way that that movie just kind of clips off with, with the... Uh, the very brief assault on the alien base in the government building or whatever. And that's mostly because I think the people who wrote that movie with all respect to the masters, you know, had read a little too much ad busters and not read enough marks, but you know, that that's me in 2022. Well, that's another thing. So we're talking about the kind of political things or societal themes, which they definitely seems to have, but at the same time, it's kind of hard to pin Carpenter down because he, he has a lot of themes like this in his films, but they get yes. they also get kind of muddied with like what's the clear message here, which I'm not exactly sure. Thank because, you. I wanted to make that point. Go on. Yes. Well, because at part uh, so on the on its face, it's like I mean, it came out in '89. It was the end of the Reagan era, I guess, or a little bit into the Bush H.W. era, but kind of conservative politics had been ruling the. The decade, consumerism, all this stuff, which which he seems to be going against. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, it's like the solution to this is just to shoot everything, or like with the the Roddy Piper hero here, 
it doesn't really um it, it seems to be kind of a mixed thing and now i'm just wondering like it does he have a like i think he ha- carpenter has like some point he's trying to make with a lot of his films but that but he's ultimately more interested in like the action or the suspense uh-huh. or, than, or the than, like, a, than a coherent yeah the horror than like a coherent political message um but so what's when your I thought watched this, this? yeah when i watched this fully over a month ago at this point right i wanted to talk about this this is just like when i watched um death watch that movie we almost watched for von Sydow summer Mm-hmm. Um, I did finish that, by the way. I hadn't, I hadn't made it all the way through when we talked about it. Dude, Von Vito at the end of that movie, unbelievable. Yeah, uh, I anyway. finally made it to his, his his appearance in the last ten minutes. Literally, the last ten minutes of the film. That monologue is is just like out of this world. Good. Yeah. Anyway, just like in that movie where they'll have someone be like, well, they'll have someone give like a uh, your your standard base falsifiable conservative talking point right uh just as if it were a fact and then you know five minutes later the character will say the exact opposite thing or 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 give the socialist viewpoint on a completely different topic and i know there's like the 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 trite comeback to this like bit of criticism is just like yeah that's 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 called a moderate but it just seems like at least from today from from my perspective today it seems like the the movie has no point of view. It's just like, do you hate poor people or or or, or not, you know? Uh, like, at the very beginning of fucking They Live, uh, you've got Roddy Piper being like, I believe in America. I work hard. I assume that I'll, uh, I, uh, I'll, I'll get what I earn. And then he, like, expects to be living in a migrant camp with other uh, unhoused people. And then literally like could never happen in 2022 los angeles and i know you know something about this the cops bulldoze that uh unhoused encampment uh which they would never do obviously in the real united states of america in the year of our lord 2022 certainly they they, uh yeah they they wouldn't come and move everyone's stuff out from under the bridge and then to a different location yeah certainly not (laughs) what are you talking about eric but yeah so i go like yeah with the Piper character is supposed to be idealistic. I, I guess it's about being the disillusionment with the American dream and all this stuff. And then, like, you can just sell out. I mean, I think it's possibly what gets mixed into Carpenter's films a lot as well, which maybe sometimes muddies the point, the, uh, the themes as well. It's probably, a, uh, you know, a lot of it, he was an independent filmmaker who got very successful, obviously. A lot of his films, even though they're now like regarded as classics or called classics, didn't do well at the time. Like mm-hmm. the thing, but critically, I think it was a mixed bag for a lot of his films at the time. At this one included, I think a lot of critics didn't like it at the time, and it's been reappraised and considered um, a film of merit by modern day critics. But I think he's probably with the kind of selling out stuff, like. Yeah, I think I think it's a comment on maybe other filmmakers or just the Hollywood system in general. Um, well, it's real ad busters-y in a way that doesn't doesn't hold up. Yeah, that. But I think that's probably part of it. But it still leads to some good. T- I mean, I really like the even the end as as uh, rushed as it is. I like I really like the one guy coming back being like the guy who sold that who's a minor character in the beginning of the film. Mm-hmm. 
just like a uh, one of the guys at the unhoused camp. He's wearing a tux now, and he's like showing him around, like, "Oh, you guys sold out too, or whatever." Like, this is what? Uh, and then he's like shocked when he realizes they're there. Exactly. So. Exactly. What is its point of view? <laughs> uh, yeah. I, know, but I like the whole concept of it. I mean, I guess there there is something subversive, I guess, about this kind of mixed point of view that, that makes it interesting. But I love also how he just gets away. He's like, all right, later, later, boys. I'm like, then no come up for the character. And ultimately, yeah, Team Rocket's blasting off again. Piper does then expose the aliens at the end of the film over the broadcast after sacrificing himself to do so. But what does that ultimately lead to? I mean, like, it does not show us the glorious revolution afterward, right? <laughs> yeah, if there even is one, which is probably doubtful considering. That the aliens there seem to have quite the upper hand, really. Uh-huh. Um, but I do really like the closing sequence. I already alluded to it once about they have like I think it's supposed to be Roger, uh, not Roger Ebert, but Gene Siskel is like the one alien. T- and he mentioned Carver references himself directly and Romero. Uh-huh. And, then, and then I love a film that ends with tits on the la- the literal last scene of the film, which is the wait what. Well, the, the literal, like, of that little montage at the end, the very last scene is the woman having sex with the guy. And then she looks on the TV, and the actor is, like, an alien. She's like, what the fuck? And then she That's looks right. down at the That's guy. Right. She's having sex with, and he's like, what's wrong, baby, or something? And he's the alien. But love nudity. The only nudity in the film in the very last uh, frame, practically, which is funny to me. That's another yeah. thing. John Carpenter, obviously legend icon you know the fucking god of of 80s horror right is it a brilliant work of leftist satire that roddy piper literally puts on glasses and he can see that all of the media that he's consuming is just just a a blank white page with black text that says obey on it um no that's not brilliant satire um but this movie came out in 1988 right that is the height of the conservative stranglehold on oh, not okay. not just like politics in America, but American culture. I mean, and this is, I mean, it may not have done great, but it was a major movie, right? It was this was a real motion picture uh, that was released in that year, um, and and we certainly cannot have a Hollywood production with a leftist perspective made in the year 2022. So uh, I thought that was nice. Yeah, yeah, it is 88, the year, the very year of my birth. Um, also, a, a very sad note, but Piper was the star of, of two films in his uh, acting career. The other one also came out in 1988, Hell Comes to Frogtown, which I would encourage people to check out if you haven't seen that yourself included, Eric. It's not, not as good that. as They Live, but uh, it does feature Roddy Piper. It's a post-apocalyptic world. He... Uh, there's frog people, literally, that's why it's Frog Town. And uh, he's, they tried to force him into breeding, essentially, like enslavement into, as being like a, a getting women pregnant, essentially. <laughs> that, that's, uh, that's, and his name is Sam Hell, I believe. Hell comes to Frog Town. Oh, I get it. So check that one out. Actually, his acting in They Live is a little better than, than that one. If you can you know, it. he's not bad in They Live. It's because, I mean, a lot of his one-liners aren't 
as clever as I might have liked or or making sense. Even though they have like that the one about chewing bubblegum, I'm not sure if that's the first movie to say that, but I that one that time. Wondered if it was um I, I really hope that it was. <laughs> I, yeah, it probably I, was. I, I don't but, know. Uh, yeah, I just fu- I mean that one kind of doesn't hit that great for me just because. I mean he just starts going into catchphrases as soon as he literally turns on a dive and it's like, all right, I gotta kill these aliens now. But it is funny when he's saying like how ugly <laughs> they look and stuff like in the liquor store or whatever. Yeah, and uh, of course get yeah, we talked about him already, but Keith David is the man. I do like the. His his unceremonious end too, like it's the the Meg Foster character um, is is a traitor as well to the human race. That's the twist at the end, and then there's just a scene of her, you know, Pop Piper's already up ahead, and then Keith David just turns and she has the gun to his head, and then that's it. Like it cuts yeah. the, and that's all we see. But I I like that. Yeah, I think it a I think it is a classic. Uh, action classic, even though it's it's uh, certainly not perfect by any means. And when we're talking about satire of the time, you know, RoboCop came out a few years before this, or maybe just one year even before. And I would say uh, of an action, an action kind of political satire of the culture that definitely hits better in, in every way. But but uh, I still give Carpenter credit for this one. Well, and it doesn't have the, um, you know, it, that movie doesn't carry the burden of being a horror movie with practical effects available to it in 1988, right? That's a, that's a, that's a studio yeah. sci-fi movie that happens to be a satire. And especially pre- uh, effects on the budget Carpenter had for They Live, which was not yeah. large by any standard. Um, because I think it's less, you know, uh, Big Trouble in Little China, he got a big budget for which is also one of my favorite films, but it was a, it was a complete bomb at the at the box office. I'm not sure how Prince of Darkness came out between them. I, like I said, I still gotta watch that one, but I'm not sure if that was a hit either. I don't probably was not. So I think he this ended up being a, a pretty good box office, I believe, for him. But he didn't have a, a big budget going in. Um, um, anyway, the budget for They Live was for, uh, estimated to be around four million. Uh, the gross in the U.S. and Canada uh, was 13 million, and it it did 4.8 million opening weekend. Yeah, so that's a uh, that's a hit um, based on the budget alone. There, Robocop's then, budget was estimated to be around 100 million. So yeah, and you could see it on the screen there. And the Big Trouble in Little China, I'm looking up that he got around a 22 million dollar budget for that. It looks like so certainly much bigger, and yeah, they kind of uh torpedo his career unfortunately because i love that movie but anyway you know carpenter might come up again on the podcast i wouldn't put it past me to suggest it again but uh, good that we got to talk about him a little bit obviously jordan peele's a fan like we went over there's definitely some ties there but uh yeah is there anything else about either one you wanted to to get out before we wrap things up I think we pretty much got through it, right? Unequivocal praise for Nope. One of the five best films of the year in my book. Yeah. Yeah, got to give it a rewatch, I think. Anything else you've been watching recently you want to mention, or what should we look ahead to next month or so? What might be coming out that we might want to 
Uh, yeah, a couple of things came out in the last month uh, that I wanted to uh, call some attention to and evangelize for. Uh, there's a movie on Apple TV called Cha Cha Real Smooth. It's yeah, the second film by this this young writer director Cooper Rafe, uh, which huge flex. He cast himself opposite Dakota Johnson in kind of a a, a quasi anti rom com rom com. Uh, I think it's just a really smart um, coming of age movie, a, a, like a really, really thoughtful and tender portrayal of uh, normal seeming people. Um, a, a really, really good movie, really sweet movie, um, and like the, not the, stupid and cloying. So, sounds like the dogs are putting their weight behind this uh, recommendation as well. Oh yeah, Sadie and Sweet Pea, big, big, big fans of Cha Cha, real smooth. Um, They're doing the cha-cha back there. Now, wait, let me ask you real quick, guys. I, yeah. I'd seen maybe a preview. I don't know if I saw even a preview on that one or, again, wasn't paying attention, but I saw the title at least and um, maybe like a picture, a uh, screen cap or something. But is it a period piece? No, I, uh, no. It's it's basically uh, like set in 2016, 2018. Um, okay. Yeah. For some reason, I got the vibe. It's like an 80s or... Well, he is a he is a bar mitzvah promoter in the film for large stretches of it. So, okay. or bar mitzvah. They're playing that 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 song that I sing. All right, so look out for that one. What else? Uh, what else were, were you, uh, did you have there? Um, Hulu doesn't need my my help promoting their movie. Um, but Prey was really fucking good. Um, ah, I still need to watch that. Too. You will not be disappointed. It's really cool. And uh, not not stupid like action movies sometimes are. Um, I, I really 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 liked it. Um, I saw Lena Dunham's movie Sharp Stick that came out I think this year. Kind of a coming of age sexual awakening. Uh, coming of age, no pun intended, I guess. Movie, it's fine. It, I liked it uh, a lot. And then, um, did you see it's on Hulu right now on the count of three? I have seen that. Yeah, I watched that. Uh, not even on Hulu, but I saw it maybe month or two ago um with uh, uh jared carmichael and um my man uh what's his name i've seen him in a bunch of stuff now he's he's a, the cronenberg jr film that we reference a lot now i'm blanking on that name too but and other films i've seen he's in black bear too i think right with his name is Pfizer. christopher abbott i didn't mean to keep you christopher abbott, didn't yeah. hanging out. i thought you were gonna get there uh yeah his name's christopher abbott. Uh, i think he's great yeah, he's great he's in yeah. possessor obviously Obviously, from TV, from HBO's Girls. I'm not a, a, a Dunham head like you apparently are, so I haven't really seen much Girls. Or, I mean, but... she's just come up twice. That uh, <laughs> I guess. Uh, I uh, yeah. So no, that, he, yeah, that he's was so good, good in that. Jared Carmichael's so good in that. I really like that movie. Yeah, I believe Jared Carmichael directed it as well. Um, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Nice and short. Pretty quick watch. Um, Got Henry Winkler playing uh, well against type there. Quite a bit. Role. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, the, so that's on Hulu now. Okay, I didn't even realize that. That's Hulu does seem to be pulling in a lot of the newer kind of indie films. Yeah, I mean, and all the neon movies go to Hulu, which is obviously a big deal for Hulu. Yeah, I've got it's to pull up now. Worst, worst person in the world if you haven't watched that yet. Dear listener, we talked about it already, but uh, that's on there. It looks like oh, Titan is on there. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Titan, you will um, long, 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 long podheads, long-term podheads uh, will recognize, of course, as my favorite movie of last year. 
Uh, it fucking rules. It's a, the unhinged French movie mm-hmm. with the car sex. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't realize at the time that it was completely uh, biting off the I mean, uh, the revolutionary Garlotina film, though. <laughs> Got all its ideas from there. But. It does come up in our Utena wash along. Yeah, so again, Drew's views uh, with Z's. Check that out. Eric and I watching all of Revolutionary Girl Latina the past year. Those episodes are available, and uh, we'll be back doing anime on that channel soon. But also, yeah, you know, stay subscribed to Brooklyn Rebound Network here. You might hear some episodes about the House of the Dragon coming up or out now as we speak. So check that out. And a little more NBA talk, I'm sure, will be coming to you, along with the movies talk here, which we love to do. So stay tuned to the next episode for the next movies are relevant. And until then, you know, keep what I got. I was out of town a lot. I have a lot of movies to catch up on, like Prey and like some of these other ones. So I'll do better for next time and get my watch list up. You should do the same. And until then, oh, the sign now. I still have my sunglasses on, even though it's evening now. And the sign is telling me, wrap it the fuck up. Okay, I (laughs) I do follow signs now, I guess. We're out of here. Peace. Productions.